Lucky Boys Podcast. Yeah, we yes. don't get mentioned in any data. Oh, we're other. Yeah, if you talk about if you watch news, if you watch news, and especially we all have been, they all talk about you know COVID cases in you know ethnic groups. It's always the black or Latinos. Mm. I said, wait, hey, Asian, you, you tell me Asians don't get COVID? I mean, come on. <laughs> right. I mean, maybe, I, but they, there's one time I did watch CNN and they said, you know, we have, Asians have a much lower number, but we mm. still count. We, you know, we have cases and we have deaths too. And Absolutely. not just that, it's also affecting, you know, the Asian community in other ways besides deaths. Mm. It's, oh, it's right, right, right. Livelihood, like businesses right. are closing, you know, mm. you know, people are not surviving because of that. And that's what like people who are not from the community, who are not Asian, they don't think about that part. You know, they're just thinking if COVID is going to f- affect you physically, but they're not talking about the livelihood, like mm-hmm. the community, the business, businesses, no, no, just people. And that, and the people that attacking those communities, they're attacking the women, they're attacking mm-hmm. our seniors, mm-hmm. uh, and, and in some unfortunate cases, physically. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and that's not that's not being brought to mainstream media's attention or political candidates enough with enough intensity i see it here and there but it's it's just a quick blip mm-hmm. it's a crumb right mm-hmm. right but it, it's not enough it, there needs there needs more intensity to this because it's a very serious issue that we have in this country but going back to that because if this lack of reporting we're talking about diversity the diversity in the newsroom mm. That's what it is. So, it's all as you know, um, I write, so we could go back to later, but it talks about diversity in the room, just like you talk about film, right? Diversity behind the camera matters just as much as what you see in front of the camera. Absolutely. Who's making Absolutely, those decisions, yeah. right? And, you know, I know you had, you know, Patrick, hey, Patrick, you're talking about mm-hmm. that. He had to talk about, you know, the organic, you know, part of the filmmaking, right? Mm-hmm. You, you want to make sure it's done correctly. Like, I'm sure you, you've done film. Like, I was mm-hmm. doing background work, and it was supposed to be a Chinese. A dream sequence of the wedding. Oh boy! <laughs> they had the bride come in wearing white. Uh-huh. Like I mean, but you know, Chinese when you wear the red, Chinese, and right. but they put white flowers in her hair. Mm-hmm. And but then they had Japanese fruit, and the tables were set for four. Oh, our favorite number. Yeah. Oh. So I walked in. Not. My, my other friend who were doing the background was like, "Yo, this is supposed to be a Chinese wedding. I think you sure it's not a funeral. This I think this right. is a tables for four. Mm-hmm. You know, and she had white and for those of you that, that yeah. are listening, uh, four in Chinese, it's uh, it, it loosely translates right. to death. Right. So going back, so, we're talking about diversity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why is not covered? Because it's not like there's. I mean, for, when we watch television, there's a lot of Asian reporters. We know that mm-hmm. there's a lot of Asian journalists, just not as lot as white or you know black or Latino. But there are. But the, but it's about that diversity that's going to bring that coverage out, that connection hmm. to bring those stories to the camera and Absolutely. to the news. And then, then, then we start building momentum. Then right, we start right. gaining more support. Exactly. And, and then that's when you see little Ming over there or little you know, Ping over there. And, <laughs> and that's when they'll start becoming more integrated with the system into the melting pot. I think they won't feel like their visitor in a country that they were born in yes yes yeah i think that's that's extremely important also i think people who have voices or have a platform i think it is their responsibility to shoulder some of that leadership because Mm -hmm. they have that stage i don't always see them use it but i i think there's a responsibility with that level of power that they mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. that they should not be afraid to implement. Mm-hmm. Because I know for one that we will absolutely have their back. But I understand that could hurt their pockets. Mm-hmm. If it if if I think Don said it, this, 
you know, uh, but he was pointing more towards uh, people in politics. But mm. I think this also goes across different industries is stop serving your masters. Mm-hmm. Mm. They may not have your best interests. Right. 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 Yeah. The is master's it? tools will never dismantle the master's house. Ooh, can Judy. you say that again? <laughs> Judy, that's Drop deep, that. man. Drop, Where'd Drop you that. get that? Ooh. Drop that verse. Jeez. <laughs> I was a senior no. in college and I told my professor <laughs> I want to change the world and he yeah. was like, a master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. So depending on what you want to do with your life, you need to figure out we- which side you want to stand yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Yeah. No, it's okay. Yeah. I'll get... I'll it's, get fired yeah. anyway. But. <laughs> Why would you? You're, you're speaking truth, right? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. It's never easy. You're, like I would oh, yeah. never want to be positive. You, it's, it's so hard to make everybody happy. Like you, said, you mm. can't right. make everybody happy. Just you, like this podcast. Every episode we have, it mean, I'm going, man, will this age well in 10 years what we just said? You, you just know, have to forge on. You got to be positive. You, you got to do what you do what you think is right. Right. I think with race still being a thing, it will always be relevant that's why on college campuses race is still being taught like we talk about it like it's still segregation mm-hmm. because there is a way there is a formula in which they choose their student body and i don't know i don't know what it is um but there will never be a majority minority college campus except if it's like an hbc or something like that which is a historically black college, right, right. right? So who's who's in power making that decision? Like who they want to let in? Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, the masters. But you know, I've never been one f- that enjoyed a monoculture. Mm. I I I typically found more value and fun within different communities where there was just a. A, a large melting pot where we all could just hang and kick it and mm-hmm. kind of look beyond the color where it doesn't really exist to us like we know it's there mm-hmm. but it doesn't shape the way we treat each other or think about one another mm-hmm. and i think that if you're introduced to that at a young age mm-hmm. then you will you won't have that barrier mm-hmm. or that mindset i should say uh towards different cultures so that when you see some other person of color mentioned something that affects them directly, you can sympathize with them Mm -hmm. immediately instead of casting judgment and creating a different narrative for them because you grew up a certain way. But most people that I hear, and I try to listen a lot, Mm. and I hear what they're saying, but then I also look at who their friends are Mm -hmm. and who they grew up around. And it's and it's most of the time, it's the people that just look like them. Mm-hmm. They, they so if you have that, how can you expect me to believe that you have a diversity in thought, mm-hmm. or that you're even right. capable of understanding this person's pain? Or mm-hmm. unfortunately, how do you like what you, you don't? Can you even develop the capacity to care if mm-hmm. you can't empathize, mm-hmm. right. or only act like you care so that you can make a mm-hmm. point? Mm-hmm. And and. I think that's the problem today is that we don't do enough of that. We have places where we call ghettos Mm -hmm. and then we have these other places called privileged neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And I've lived in both areas. I lived in the ghetto. Mm -hmm. In fact, I grew up in the ghetto and 
as I grew up and I grew old and I became a father, I, I'm, I'm now living in a privileged area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see a stark difference in, in terms of when we were shopping for neighborhoods, just looking at the different neighborhoods and who they allowed in within those demographics mm-hmm. were completely racist. Mm-hmm. And, and just the level of education and support that you get. Well, I think they tried to desegregate the schools and busing kids from, say, a urban, less fortunate neighborhood into somewhere that is more, uh, that has more resources back then or maybe even now. And it didn't work because you're probably one one black kid out of everyone. That's right. And I don't like how can you relate to someone who grew up with privilege all their life just financially they're different places they're different classes of society Mm -hmm. and then you're telling you're going to get this person throw him a bone and and let allow this person from this area this poor area completely different mentality and just to visit here for a little while and then just Mm -hmm. to let these other kids see what it's like I think what you have to do is you have to mix. They have to live in those communities. Yes. Yeah. That's what's going to work. It's not inviting this kid from a different zip code to your zip code. Mm-hmm. It's living together. We have to learn how to mm-hmm. live together. That's how it works because we can live together. We can go to school together. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can go to work together. We can fight for the system together. You know, We can mm-hmm. fight for a better America together. Um, but inviting someone to come once in a while, yeah. it just doesn't work. I'm so sorry. No. I, oh, this is going to be a super, super personal question. But why didn't you decide to raise your kid somewhere in like Chinatown or Lower East Side? Something similar right. to so, where you are. Like I said, I'm not for monocultures. I don't mm-hmm. want to raise my kids, even though I'm Asian, mm-hmm. around all Asians. I don't want to raise them in an all-black neighborhood, all-white neighborhood, Mm. because there's a big disadvantage to that, no matter Mm. what. Mm. Even if I if I have if my my kids living in Chinatown and this is all they see, Mm -hmm. the neighborhood that we and and you see in my neighborhood, it Mm. is a melting pot. Mm. You see, Indian, Hispanic, Spanish. (laughs) What's his address? I'll I'll tell you you after the the podcast. But it's Uh a great community. Uh, with great people, great families. Mm-hmm. I have not never experienced racism once since I lived there. I lived mm-hmm. there for the past five, six years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we all hang out together in harmony. All of us are different mm-hmm. colors, mm-hmm. different races. Uh, you know, I was just at the park yesterday. We went for a, a little hike and I was at the park. Mm-hmm. And this uh, family from Bed-Stuy, I can't mm-hmm. make this up. Uh, their kids just started playing with my kids. They asked if they can play. And we're like, yeah, sure. Because of COVID, people kind of get weird. Yeah. But they were just playing <laughs> with my kids. And I was like, yeah, cool. It was this black family from Bed-Stuy. And then we just started kicking it and talking like like it was... Like, we always knew each other. And they said, mm-hmm. man, this part is just like a different energy, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you feel you like know? sometimes because we're people of color, we just connect. We mm-hmm. just kind of connect a little bit that, more than, you know. That, and I, think I just so. think yeah. it's the way you think, right? Yeah. I'm inviting, you know, you could be white, black, blue. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I really don't care. I, I really want to listen to what goes on in your mind mm-hmm. and, and, and the way you feel about certain things. And I'm really interested in that, what I can learn and absorb. And then from there on, we, we could kick it and have fun. Yeah. You know, I think that's that's all I really care about. And to look at you and to think that you're less intelligent or I'm inferior to you mm-hmm. just because we look a certain way, it I think it's a barbaric way of looking at things or 
narcissistic mm-hmm. or inaccurate. I mean, the list goes on. It's just not a a forward way of thinking. Yeah, I, I grew up in Chinatown, right here. You want to mm-hmm. call it? That's fine. But mm-hmm. I find I like the way I grew up. I grew mm-hmm. up in PS one, my elementary school one twenty six. It was, and I look back at my fifth uh, fifth grade picture. Mm-hmm. It is so diverse, mm-hmm. and I've learned so much just because you know I learned about eating bacalaitos. You know, <laughs> I love that stuff. You know, and you learn about each other's culture. You know, just mm-hmm. things like just hanging out. We didn't. We knew we were not like he. She's Latino and he's black, but we didn't. Think of racism. I think as a kid, and then knock on wood, mm-hmm. I never had faced real racism. Like, you know, you have little kids that call you the chink or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, that was not blown up, but you know, just right. kids. Mm-hmm. But I didn't grow up here in Low East Side. Mm-hmm. We're exposed to so many different types of people, and I, I oh my gosh, and yeah. I am <laughs> thankful for that. Like, and we, we talk about the Jews. Like, they're in the neighborhood too, but you know, they're quiet. We mm-hmm. we've always been very peaceful. We've never had issues with the Jews. But I I want to co- try to connect with them. But you know, I had to walk. I had to go to. I went to Sewer Park High School. I transferred out of Bertram. Mm-hmm. You had to walk mm-hmm. through that Jewish. What you transfer out of Bertram? Yeah, how'd you go yeah. to Bertram to Sewer Park? Yeah, <laughs> I had that, that was I on purpose. Oh, you were bad. You were oh, bad. Oh, okay, <laughs> different podcast. Different podcast. <laughs> was it what? Podcast, different podcast, podcast boy. number sixty-three. <laughs> Welcome to the Lucky Boys podcast. This is not Lucky yeah. Boys. No, but just like, and like just growing up here, like I never thought about race, race. I just knew mm-hmm. we were different. But I learned so much from each other. And we were in school plays. We hung out mm-hmm. after school. You know, yeah. we taught we taught this black girl play Chinese jump rope. You know, yeah. you remember Chinese jump rope? You know, that's mm-hmm. like a completely. I actually went to Bertram, and it was a majority black and Latino mm-hmm. thing, and I felt like a complete loner. Even within like the Chinese cool kids, they were like mm-hmm. oh gangsters or whatever. Well, there, was, right. there was still segregation like in Sewer Park, like right. the, the English speaking Chinese and then the Chinese, which oh, English Chinese is a second Chinese, language. Yeah. It was, it was, very it was a separate. Yeah, quickish. yeah, yeah. So of course I hung out with like the, the ABCs or the English speaking Chinese, and there was the other group that was Chinese with the English as a second language kind mm-hmm. of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, but the diversity in growing up in, in the Lower East Side is where you know I'm very happy and proud to be raised right right mm-hmm. I, I mean i love that diversity i didn't appreciate the the um the racism that went on back in the day oh okay it was, it was talking very, about the 90s oh yeah okay yeah. i mean i love the diversity i love my friends that i grew mm-hmm. up with and and they taught me so much how to dance merengue salsa mm-hmm, mm-hmm. eat their food their cultures in return we did the same thing with with uh, my culture um but on the dark side of those things, which a lot mm-hmm. of people tend to forget, mm-hmm. uh, is that Asians were picked on. Yes. They were targeted. They were robbed. Mm-hmm. They were bullied. Uh, they casually said racist. They would call the uh, white man racist, but to mm-hmm. Asians, they would say the most racist stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, was, oh, it would be out of some relatives right now. And, and, and these guys, mm-hmm. some of these guys were just real good friends with me. Uh, and... And they were like, "Will, man, you can't let them get away with that stuff." I mean, my own friends was like, "You know, I'm just walking down with them, and, and I may be like 12 years old, mm. and I start going, oh, you chinky chinky, da, 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 pulling their mm-hmm. eyes, and oh, Jackie Chan or mm-hmm. pork fire eyes, and then trying to speak <laughs> uh, speak with our uh, accent, or so mm-hmm. I, I'm just, you know, I'm going, wow, it, you know, it's just, how come no one ever talks about that? And then mm. those same kids that I see." Um, talking about how other people are racist towards them, mm. and I'm like, you see, I like this. This is what blows my mind. It's like, the kind you of know, that's fine. I mean, it exists, and I, I, I understand that. I don't accept it, but I get it, mm-hmm. right? But what I don't get is how 
you can understand how it feels mm-hmm. to have someone oppress you mm-hmm. and then turn around and do it to someone else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that to me is just the big WTF. Like, <laughs> like are you serious with this? Um, but it has changed a lot. It has changed a lot the neighborhood. It's 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 improved dramatically. I mean, I don't live there anymore, mm-hmm. but it, it, at one point it was very dark, very dangerous. There were different gangs on everybody. It's funny because I I um I used to follow this Facebook group on on mm. uh, the Lower East Side, right? And what was it called? Lower East Side. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they they said they said uh, yeah. they said something like. Hey, what? Who protected your block, or something like that? Oh. And then you would see they were listing out all these different uh, gangs, and I just thought to myself, "Holy cow! I, I lived here, and I don't even recognize half these gangs that they're talking about." Mm. But they were—they had the Chinese gangs. They right, were saying right. the Latino, they had the Latino had, yeah, gangs. I, I they were talking about from yet. which era. So I, I thought to myself, like, "Wow! Like, yeah, because the people." Coming to Lower East Side now, they don't understand mm-hmm. how crazy it was right, back yeah. then. Uh, but everyone back then who probably moved out uh, mm-hmm. because uh, more opportunities or they've been priced out of uh, because of gentrification, mm-hmm. they're they're looking back like, hey, it was the hood. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me, me and Will, we always talk about the, the burning cars in the street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, people on the street, um, homeless, rampant. And then mm-hmm. me personally, my grandparents mm-hmm. were robbed several times. My parents wow. too. Yeah, my mom so, was robbed. Yeah, my dad said that the whole Delancey used to smell like urine. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, true. yeah. So, mm. so I'm like the oldest one. I don't know. So like the Bowery? <laughs> Stop it. The Bowery? You know, like, you know, I know we Bowery Mission, they've been doing good work for what almost a century, but right. along that strip, it doesn't look like what it is now. It was like right. lots of crackheads, right. needles, and they had a show. Whatever. Okay, I'm dating my but this was a repeat by the time I went. It's called Bowery Boys. Mm-hmm. There's a show called Black and White, Black and White Show. Oh, uh, I mean, color, I mean, it wasn't in color, oh, it wasn't in color, it was a black and was white like sound? film. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was sound, but there was, but it just talked about the Bowery Boys, right? But if you know the history about the Bowery, there was a lot of bars and whatever, and that's where the mm-hmm. desolate would end up living and Long Street. I mean, it was still like that when I was a kid before you judy yeah but you know it but it has changed a lot but like growing up that I, I i saw that and the transformation and 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 where was i going now it was just just the, the changes in the neighborhood you but and you talk about the people that was coming in right we, we those people who are like along the street we don't know where they're from right but we only mm-hmm. saw and, and this is what someone pointed out. We don't, we didn't see a lot of Asians along the Bowery. I mean, we have some Asian homeless now, but they're not as prevalent, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about diversity. We're talking about uh, the, the neighborhood and what it affects us. And and wh- what do we see, right? Mm-hmm. What do we see? And this is what we've implanted in our minds. Like, what are we, what are we talking about when we, what we see? We have to say that is there is. Is not just non-Asians that are not homeless. There, it, it exists. Absolutely, I'm grateful. I wouldn't change a thing. Right. I, I wouldn't Me change too. a thing. I'm grateful for uh, that experience because it's a form of education that you can't get nowhere else. No, nope, no. Nope. Yep. You have to, like you said, you have to live here to actually know to know right. the, you know the, the groove, the drive of the neighborhood. Yeah, it's just it's it's unlike any other. Uh, and it's because of that it, it, it gave me welcome to New York guys yeah it's a motorcycle <laughs> but it, it, it's uh, it's because of that I have my perspective um, I 
you know, I, I can see when I see movements for racial justice, for mm-hmm. equality, I totally get it. I'm right there with them. Mm-hmm. I feel the pain. When, when things, it doesn't, I don't need to be this, I don't need to look like you. I don't need to look like your culture in order to feel your pain or want to fight beside you. Mm-hmm. I don't need that because I, I grew up with a diverse group of friends and I've been introduced to that at a very early age and I understand the pain because I've it's been like I said it's been done to me mm-hmm. and when I see it done to anyone else no matter what your color is I can feel that pain and and we have to improve and build upon that for the next generation oh well how how can you fight and I always talk about this with my friends. How can you fight if you're a second generation who grew up in Chinatown and do decide to move elsewhere? Uh, then how, then wouldn't you be avoiding your past? No. So I, I'm thinking about people think, who like grew up no, here in Westchester. No, right, right. And, and what you're saying makes a lot of sense, and, but there's a context to it, right? So people that move out from their neighborhoods doesn't necessarily mean that they abandoned it and they're trying to make improve and they can't make improvements. I think people leave because they outgrow they outgrow a certain level and sometimes you just have to change your views. And if you have a family, you can't I mean, I'm all for like oh, okay, I'm, I'm the pride of the neighborhood. Yo, I grew up here. Mm-hmm. My family here. My grandma was here. Everything. Uh-huh. So I, I get that. I yeah. get that. But you can... I know people that left the neighborhood, but they go back to volunteer. They go back mm-hmm. and speak. And when things... When they're needed, they come back. Mm-hmm. And, and if there's a cause to fight for they're there they're the first ones there to support it mm-hmm. and just because you live in a neighborhood doesn't mean you support it mm-hmm. i know people that's been living there for decades and they and they don't do nothing they don't yeah. do they're anything not involved. they just live there but and take there, take take, take. that's all they do is take 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 they don't get involved with anything unless it benefits them it's all it, unless it's easy for them so i i don't i don't really subscribe to that narrative that you have to be from there in order to support it or live in that community to support it i think you just need to understand i think many times they don't get involved also because they get they know it's going to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. right if you want to advocate you have to speak up mm-hmm. right you're going to be that face you be in front of people you have to fight rally whatever it is i think people are just mm-hmm. afraid to they might want to but they will never want to be the one to lead it right but once you let us say, let's say Norm says, "Well, I'm going to have this rally," then other people will be like, "Oh yeah, we'll, we'll follow." They're just waiting for that one person to start it off. But right. I think many times they just need guidance, also. But if you look at someone like Jay Z, mm-hmm. can you imagine if he is where he? I mean, he's a billionaire now, where he reached a status where he is now, and he's just going back to Best Eye and he's telling Beyonce, like, "Hey, you know, I I want us to grow grow up here, raise a family." It just wouldn't really make sense. But I could see. Uh, Jay Z going back to Bed Stuy, yeah, they do go back, supporting yeah. like J Lo, she goes back, to right? The Bronx, yeah. Exactly, <clears throat> uh, going back to the community. I think at a certain level, you just outgrow that community. You know, mm-hmm. is that com- that community doesn't really fit you in your lifestyle anymore, mm-hmm. and you just grow up. But you can always go back and and uh, support them, mm-hmm. and probably do more than anyone else could. 
using that platform. I think I just saw um, my wife tagged me on this where Aquafina, mm-hmm. she posted something about Chinatown where her grandma mm-hmm. uh, was. And you know, where she lived, right? And yeah. in the Lower East Side. Right, yeah. right. So, I mean, I know Aquafina doesn't live in one of those homes, but she posted about it to make some awareness. So there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's different examples of that. And I think we have to be careful if we're going to shoot at people because they decided to look for opportunities elsewhere that fits them mm-hmm. um, along their journey of growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to shame them for that and say that they're not supportive because they don't live in that area anymore. That doesn't, uh, there's different ways of doing it. So. I think once you get into that type of privilege, mm-hmm. you have an obligation to kind of give back to where you came from. Mm-hmm. Um, know your roots. Yeah, know your roots. Know I your mean, roots. like, I, I, when I think about like my, my grandparents mm-hmm. and my parents and their family, there was, Eight people living in that tiny tenement apartment. I grew up there too. So when when my uncles and aunts they grew up, they left. They mm-hmm. they, they left to you know Florida, the burbs, and everything mm-hmm. like that because they wanted to better their their living situation. Mm-hmm. They want their kids to live in a better environment. And I grew up in that tenement apartment, but I respect the fact that they were able. My grandparents were able to to raise mm-hmm. six kids in that impar- tiny ass apartment. And it's me and my sister now growing up there. Mm-hmm. And so when I moved away to Brooklyn um, in the burbs, I always come back to Chinatown. Not just because my parents are here. I'll still come back and support mm-hmm. the community, support the businesses. Yeah, I always feel like where I grew up, it's shaped, it shaped me to be who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, it may not show outright. You know, as you mature, you grow old. Like, it comes out later on. Like I, I lived away from New York. And then when I came back, I was like, Yo, what the happened to this neighborhood? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like you know, down by the superior, you know, all those mm. Jewish merchandise stores were gone. I was like, what? What is the hipster? one on Ludlow is still there? What, the what, L- what? Ludlow on Grand? Oh. And just like, what is these pop up galleries? This high end mm. barber shop? What a, a, a shop just for neckties? What is yeah. what is all that? Right? It's got super trendy. And I was there. yeah, so all was, these bars. Yeah, I was like, and what? speakeasies. Mm. I was just blown. I couldn't. I didn't recognize it. I right. was just blown away. It, it is a bit of a shock, and I I like that. I, you know, one thing that's for sure is that change will always occur. Yeah, change is inevitable. You know, right. but it has to, But I feel like it needs to change with the neighborhood. It has to work with the neighborhood. Like I think there was an issue with just too many bars. Mm-hmm. Right. That doesn't serve a community purpose because you have to be twenty one. It's not like a family oriented place that everybody could go. Right. You have to be twenty one. So like, do we really need more bars? Maybe we need more laundromats. Everybody could use a laundromat service, yeah. right? Things like yeah, that. Yeah, but you know, if there's people that are keeping those bars open and there's a demand for it unfortunately that's the way it's gonna go right i know that's Mm -hmm. the move and uh i mean that's why i say if you're if you're going to choose a neighborhood to raise a family you have to choose wisely and carefully because Mm -hmm. that will shape the way Mm -hmm. your kids are being brought up Mm -hmm. Uh, that has a big impact i mean like you just said uh, where you live really shaped you to who you are Mm -hmm. today even though you moved out, it, it follows you everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way. Yeah. Norman and I were talking way, about, yeah. you know, growing up, you know, always, yeah. street sense, right? We got street sense growing yes, up in the, yes. in the city, right? Oh, yeah, you get yeah. this like like a spidey sense. Right, right. Kind of yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we, yeah. we got eyes back in our heads. We know everything's <laughs> going on, right? We know where to run to, the crevices and the cracks and the streets, right? We just know everything about the neighborhood. You know yeah. where all the uh, hidden weapons are in the street. Right, right, right. right. I'm just kidding. Jeez, where do we Damn, man. You know where to run. Garbage cans, guys. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. So growing up in the burbs, like it's totally, we're talking about, you let your guard down because you're assume it's always safe a couple of friends 
when when they went from the burbs to an urban environment they're like oh they were so overwhelmed <laughs> they were fearful like what is going on and then you see the transition to oh my god where has this been my entire <laughs> life this is awesome bar bar restaurant, restaurant, restaurant after restaurant, a few like, drinks just, usually after a few yeah drinks. yeah so now after a couple of nights easy nights on they start realizing oh it's it's pretty safe it's so much fun i'm meeting all these new people and obviously pre-covid it's kind of funny because i was in sunset park for a while and it's it's kind of like the hood and at the tip of it on 25th street they're starting to gentrify that area within the past five years and i constantly see cops at the train station and i think it's because people who are from the suburbs moving in and they don't necessarily feel safe so they mm. can't they want protection every single oh, see, sure. i have to say that okay if you didn't feel safe why are you moving there because, because it's, it's like affordable yeah. right see but that's just kind of like I'm just that's, shaking that's my head. That's how it starts. That's you know, called gentrification. Right. You, know, you know, Williamsburg used to be extremely dangerous. Yes. The roads, I mean, they're still pretty bad, but they were extra bad back then where mm-hmm. it's like an instant flat tire. <laughs> it was really, there were potholes everywhere. I mean, one of my best friends growing up lived in Williamsburg. <sighs> and we would go there. I would sit in like on a stoop of his house. And there were like prostitutes just walking by Mm. openly, drug addicts. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, this is crazy. And I remember when the tide started to turn there, Mm -hmm. when all the developers started purchasing all the warehouses along the waterfront. Right. Then they start advocating for the future residents. Mm -hmm. All the tax write-offs for people. Higher income. But then then it started getting trendy Mm -hmm. because artists, Mm -hmm. hipsters, they were the first ones to move over there. Uh, The and kind of take on some of that crime rate mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and then they made it cool mm-hmm. and then it just kind of grew from there that community and people from all over the place were like hey let's move to williamsburg it's mm-hmm. cheap the commute to manhattan's super easy mm-hmm. so it, it made a lot of sense and mm-hmm. and you know artists just they don't have like you know they're not making it rain mm-hmm. so they, they get in where they can where it's most convenient so uh, that happened, and that's that's part of the gentrification there. But is do you think gentrification is bad in, in some instances? I only think that's that's a good thing you asked that because I had my thought when you guys were talking about people that are part of the community, but they're not part of the community. They're not giving back mm-hmm. to the community. And I think the only thing that is really bad about gentrification is the people who are moving in, they're mm-hmm. just taking they're not giving back to the community. Right. They're not like getting re- to know the community. Exactly. And just pushing the, the current residents just out right, from, from the change that's happening. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're going to the community, you know, give back. Mm-hmm. You know, create something better right. for everyone, not just the new people that are coming in. Mm-hmm. So if that, in that sense, gentrification, I think is bad. I think gentrification is only good if you are helping out the people who already live there. And I'm thinking specifically about the complex that was built um, on Delancey, the Essex Regal that was there. Mm -hmm. And they were building a big residential spot on there. And they promised that in order to build that building, they're going to reserve some of it for affordable units. 
But in the beginning process of it, they had a side door where people who are living in the affordable units will walk in through that door and not through that main door. So the rich mm. people don't have to look at them. Like, so two separate entrances. Right. And that's crazy. <laughs> oh, that's fucked up. That's so fucked up. And <laughs> that's that's across New York City, by the way. Well, they they wanted to do that with the luxury tower. That's where Pathmark was. Remember? Oh, but then they had to, now they have a separate not a separate little building for them. I hear that building's crooked, by the way. Mm. That tall building, eighty-story building, and Aldef actually yeah. <laughs> filed a lawsuit. Yeah, yeah, yes, to yeah. stop the construction of it. However, I still see people building. So the rich it, people are. Is that, is that because they? That. I mean, is that because they filed a lawsuit because a, a portion of that of the the, the units are not being. Um, Given you mean the twenty eighty the eighty twenty yeah twenty percent yeah, 20%. yeah. Get, I, being available to the Asian community or the community in that area is that is that the reason why the we need ten we need ten now ten he explained it to me but because I know I grew up like just like a block away from there as a kid mm-hmm. right? yeah I grew up and in then to see this crazy myself, tower yeah. go all the way up I know part of it was I think very beginning what a lot of the thing was like and I could be wrong but I, I, something like like who gets to own the view the water you mm-hmm. know things like that the you know? air rights right wow. right you know because as soon as if they're building 80 stories they're just blocking everyone yeah. that's behind it's like having a seven foot person sit in front of the movie theater <laughs> <laughs> that's a like, good oh, analogy get yeah. the air rights man get, yeah. the, get yeah. out of my f- yeah. Yeah. it's like if Will sat in front of me <laughs> right. but you know what it is yeah. well, that's, that's, that's yeah. why they have the movie theater seats like staggered you know <laughs> some you're, you're higher in the back yeah, no, but if Will was sitting in front of me I would be like this the entire time <laughs> but but you know there's the other four towers that's supposed to be mm. de- being not built yet mm-hmm. uh, slated I guess in a way uh, mm. for the low east side but you know how you let one in they're all gonna start right. creeping in so right? there's precedent and right then now but the, and yeah so the battle is like with the community like you know mm. were you thinking of the community we're letting mm. all these luxury towers go up you know who is it really for like right. and I'm thinking 2080 forget that let's do like 80 for the low income right. and 20 for the but you those know. those towers are empty though are they not yeah they're not mm. selling well they lowered like their maintenance fee I heard oh my gosh, and, the vacancy and then now with ridiculous. COVID I'm like who's who's coming in I, we keep hearing everybody's moving out you know? oh yeah if you, it, I have friends that left New York already yeah. well, if you, it can, if you can afford to you can you have that option mm. to leave but there's a people who just like you know the everyday Joe and Jane who just can't we're gonna stick it through Mm-hmm. We're gonna stick it through in the community. Well, those are the real New Yorkers. That's right. True New Yorkers. Those are true New Yorkers. And then we're going back to voting. Voting makes the change. It does. Right? It does. Yeah. I mean, we live in a system, thank goodness. As much crap as we, as we can point out, mm. I don't get it twisted. I am so, I know what I have living in this country. And, you know, if you. There's other places in the world in 2020 where, forget about freedom of speech, you don't even get freedom of thought. Mm. Think about that for a second. You don't get freedom of speech. You, you, you don't even get freedom of thought. And if you're a woman in some of these countries, they don't even have a word for yep, you. You can't speak. You're not, yeah, yeah you, you can't speak. Your opinion doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And they don't even have a word in their vocabulary for you <laughs> that's not degrading nope. you know it, it, it is i i know what i and i speak to some immigrant folks that come to america and they are well educated and i listen to them talk and they go you know coming to america it was just so attractive because of our first amendment mm-hmm. because we're able to have 
all these freedoms and we can express our true thoughts and our and opinions and we actually have a shot of making something out of ourselves mm -hmm. whereas in a lot of these other countries it's it's you have to sacrifice yourself for the 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 you know the overall mm. and and your family have to sacrifice and it's just it's just not a fun way of living it's not a way it's living in you're, you're always oppressed right you know so i no i'm i'm very appreciative of of what we have in this country and that's why i want to see it get better i want to i want it to stay that way because at times it feels like we we might be shifting over towards that landscape we might be going towards them because now you're getting clusters of countries that are allies with that train of thought mm -hmm. and us is almost looked at upon as a villain these days as the bad guy you know 911 when that happened oh that was our opportunity the whole world was on our side yes yes the whole world was like we stand with america and within the last two decades it's just changed it's gotten so ugly to be american you know in some ways so a lot of countries where they look oh filthy american or oh, you obnoxious american you know and, and uh the double down on that now is like oh you're asian too it's mm -hmm. it's just kind of like yeah whoa. after doing a lot of the voter registration in, in chinatown a lot of the seniors were more than happy to go to the polling site and vote they either go to confucius ps 130 or wherever like near 126 mm -hmm. and um and i was excited to actually hear them to say that they would rather go and vote in person but i think maybe also because this being very complicated that you could do a mail-in vote um mail-in ballot they don't want to request the form and then have them think that they may not be able to fill it out so for them it's easy to just physically go mm -hmm. and vote that's why it's important that we vote yes go on okay. vote yeah while we were changing batteries mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> making sure we have enough juice to have yeah. another two hours of podcast <laughs> you, <laughs> yes, let's do a <laughs> it's gonna be a long <laughs> ass podcast <laughs> okay i don't know that's great i love yeah, long okay. stuff you <laughs> Do you? Do you know what? That's a different podcast. <laughs> well, oh, okay. I, get, I guess that subtracts me. I'm out. I'm out. No, we just had a conversation how long you are. <laughs> when you were going, uh, when you going to the bathroom. Oh, I mean, sorry, oh sorry. Wow. No, how tall you are. That's what I mean. How tall you are. How tall you are. <laughs> Difference between tall and long. <laughs> I use that, I use that as, as an analogy. Also, you're admitting. <laughs> so there's a difference. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but very important to wow. vote, guys. You know, go out Absolutely. and vote. Especially does, now. Yeah, yeah your one code does. Oh, before you go, I, I do want to say, like, there was... Um, there's one woman who shared about how why important how why your one vote is important. She gave an analogy that uh, think about it as your ancestor who left uh, China. That one person made that difference for everybody else, all mm -hmm. your descendants that came Ooh. to America later on. So that one one person, like your one vote, can make a huge difference. <laughs> hey, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. But you said something that was interesting, and, and going back to that one, just tying it together, that one person, mm. uh, Asians, Asian Americans, uh, I guess mm. the first generation or generation zero, mm -hmm. or maybe even depending how uh, open-minded their parents are, if you try to do anything that goes against the tiger mom narrative right mm. which is go to school study hard 
yada yada, become a doctor, lawyer,、mm-hmm. uh, as you were saying, have babies. Oh no, no, she said、oh, that. She I, right, my mom was like, you、right. cannot have babies. <laughs> <Yeah> . Wow, <laughs> that's that's definitely against the、uh, grain there.、Uh, a very progressive. Oh, no, not until she's、there. married. I think that's what she, your mom means, probably right. Like you can't have babies now until you're married. Yeah, that's what she meant. Maybe,、right. but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you, you're, you're pursuing acting. Uh huh. Yes, I am. And so you kind of set up your life where,、uh, in your work life balance, where、uh, it, it's conducive to your、uh, career. Uh huh. Yes. And we were just talking about you were saying how、uh, challenging it has been. Not only just the industry itself is tough, no matter what color you are,、mm-hmm. uh, but with your parents. Oh yeah. <laughs> well,、um, so my mom, she. Is an immigrant from Hong Kong. She married my dad, and all her life she grew up poor. And so the instability of her working day in day out, she just doesn't want me seeing, or she doesn't want to see me going through what she went through, like working a really hard job. She wants me to sit in an office in front of a computer. <laughs> Typing away and making a steady paycheck with your health insurance. With my health insurance, <laughs> but I didn't give a fuck. Like I <laughs> legit quit my job every time I felt like I was done with a place. I would just quit, and she's like, "What happened with that place?" And、mm. I would tell her how unsatisfied I am working at that job because my passion is towards acting and performing. And she was like, "Oh, if you're in that industry, all you do is sleep around and try to get roles." Because、um, in Hong Kong, I think it was a little bit more dark back then, or even now, and so she has these preconceived notions. And I'm like, no, mom, I'm trying to do this because I want to change the way Asian Americans are viewed in this country. And she just doesn't want to hear about it, and、mm. she doesn't know what I do at all, Def. Like, <laughs> I don't even I don't know think my mom knows what I do either. So they just know, you know、mm. I'm employed. Right.、So、how did she find out you were acting? Did you tell her? I've been studying acting since 2012. So I quit my job with Nidia Velasquez, a politician in New York City, and I told her in letter form that I'm pursuing acting, and she thought I was kidding. And <laughs> Wait, you just told your mom you're saying a letter. Uh huh.、Oh, okay. Yeah, because I oh, have you a wrote a, a letter, letter to your mom in Chinese. Yes,、okay. confessing my passion. Right. And. She didn't have anything to say. She's like, "Oh, maybe it's just a phase." And I、mm. told her, "I was like, 'Oh, I'm going to be in this acting program for a year and a half, and I will invite you to my showcase if you decide to show up.'" She did not show up,、um, mm. and then it's really hard to break it in as an Asian American actor, actress, or even if you're a white person, it's hard to break in. So I wrote a solo show in 2014. Finally, put it up in 2016, directed by MC Jin and. Then I was like, "Yo, mom,、uh, come and check it out." And she didn't want to come. And my aunts and my uncles and my cousins bought tickets. And then they're like, "Oh, hey, are you coming to Judy's show?" And then she was like, "Oh,、uh, maybe." And I was like, "Oh,、um, if you don't know how to get to the theater, why don't you go with our cousin、uh, Ray and Uncle Bobby or something?" And so she came. She saw the show, and she was like. She didn't talk to me that night. We ignored each other <laughs> as usual,、wow. and then it's、uh, really uncomfortable. I know. And my aunt and my uncle walked up to her the next day, just saying, "Oh, hey, did you know she's pursuing something like this? You know, acting is a really hard path." And I, I don't know. And she came home. She started like talking to me at the dinner table, and then I just blew up because I was like, "Oh." 
acting is my passion and I'll die for my art. And mm-hmm. I cried and I was like, I was like, I'll die for it. And she was like, oh, I don't understand. Da, da, da. So we had a falling out from that. And I think we didn't talk to each other for a really long time, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, and we lived with each other. So it was really hard. Um, I think they just don't, that they don't understand the scope of the arts. Mm-hmm. Like they, they appreciate it. They, they, like my dad, he listened to Teresa, what's her name? Teresa, Teresa right? right? So like there are Asians in the arts. So that's why I don't understand why don't they let them follow the passion, you know? So I think mm-hmm. it's just a, I understand that they're being concerned. Like you were saying, like they want you to have the steady paycheck or whatever. But you know, many mm-hmm. people, you got, you know, and it's hard for them to let the children pursue what they love mm. rather than taking a job and being very unhappy. So but I, I keep going. But I understand. Yeah, I, it's, it's certainly challenging, especially when you don't have the support of the mm-hmm. people that that raised you. You know, mm-hmm. they're your backbone. And, you know, I do question it sometimes where I go, <clears throat> how many of us are in this boat mm-hmm. where we're in these unhappy unsatisfying jobs Mm. that we do not want to go to but we're doing it to keep our parents happy Mm -hmm. right and how many of us within that group are actually really good Mm. at that other thing Mm. and we're not pursuing that and Mm -hmm. we're not we're doing number one we're doing a disservice to ourselves but just it just blows my mind. Like, what if, what if we had the support of our parents? How far would we have come along by now, even within one generation? Because like you said, it only takes that one person mm-hmm. to kind of break through and everyone go, oh, wow. I remember my mom, she knew I was, I was always this, like, the jock kid, right? I was always the kid that chose to play outside play basketball football baseball, so that's the secret right? of getting tall not <laughs> <laughs> jumping basketball and, and drinking a lot of milk right you drink milk every day. I, I drank tons of milk but um yeah they i mean genetics my parents i, I, are also I hated tall. milk i, no. I hated my, milk my, so my that was a detriment to me yeah but are your parents tall or short oh really? uh, they're not no if you have short, two short parents short, I mean, yeah. you're, you're likely gonna have you're gonna be my short. uncles are tall I usually skips a generation or something. <laughs> <laughs> but then the dominant gene becomes, right. I mean, unless you have two recessive genes, oh, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But I would always choose to play outside and, and do all this other stuff. And my mom would tell me, stop. Mm. Stop playing outside all the time. Stop running around with all these kids. Mm. And I'm saying, I never got it. I just kind of ignored it. She goes, and she would make up excuses like, "Look, your skin's getting like super dark and tan." Oh yeah, right? Because you know, like Asians love. Yeah, like a <laughs> yeah. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. My mom would say that to me all the time. Yeah, like the skin of a roasted duck, right? Or, mm. or my mom would also it's, say that, uh, or my brother would say like, like soy sauce, like yeah. my skin's dirty. Yeah, and, soy sauce chicken. That's yeah, what my mom would say. So. I didn't. I didn't. I ignored it because as a kid, you just want to have fun. And I love soy sauce right. chicken, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's delicious. Yeah, it's old, much better. And, and at some point, as I gotten older, my mom knew that that wasn't going to work on me and stop me from going out mm. anymore. So she was just extremely blunt. As mm. w- when I got older, she said, and when I got older, I mean like eleven, twelve. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it when, when you grew up in an Asian household, you know n- nothing's ever good enough. That's one, yeah. right? In, in that type of household, and and two, when you grow up in New York City, you grow up really fast. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yep. there's yep. a the filter Definitely. just comes off at a very young age. All right, when you're right when you're turning the corner on puberty, I feel like. <laughs> but uh, 
when when she took off the gloves and she just said there's no asian mm-hmm. do you see any asian person playing baseball you see anyone that looks like us playing basketball mm-hmm. you see anyone that's actually good at it or mm-hmm. famous because of it mm-hmm. does is there an asian person with their own shoe deal <laughs> is there an asian football quarterback like what, what's going on and when she said that to me that that messed me up mm-hmm. as a kid Be- not not in like okay you're right i quit mm. the other way mm. you're more defiant now, get right? the heck oh yeah i was just looking at her he's gonna get that shoe deal i was like do you know i was like no this mm. and that this. oh man i went off and mm. and because of that i started playing even more i started mm. going out more i was i i worked even harder and then i got derailed because you know fell into the wrong crowd and and got interested mm. in girls <laughs> <laughs> so damn that, girls that, that, that was, that's all my mom had to do is it wasn't me, my mom introduced me to a couple of it cute was a girls girl. but, <laughs> um, girl derailed him <laughs> yeah. okay mom's listening yeah. out there that's the strategy <laughs> it's, it's it's girls with plural oh, girls plural, s yes with plural s. s anyway so but just just going along like mm. i can't help but wonder how many people how many kids were like us mm. and if their parents actually supported them. Like, mm. hey there, hey there, Bobby. Hey there, <laughs> hey there, Jimmy. You know, what? What's this? What's this third place trophy? That's amazing. All right, mm. that's that is we're we're gonna go celebrate with everyone. Mm-hmm. If we had that type mm-hmm. of of support in this in this country, I, it, it works, mm-hmm. right? I, I think that there will be so many more. Asians in media mm-hmm. or at least following their true path mm-hmm. well I want to chime in a little bit because I think support comes in many ways um, well personally my mom she buys the rice she buys the song which mm-hmm. is like the thing you eat with the rice so I think that's her way of supporting mm-hmm. because they don't come from much right and all they want to do is show you their love and sometimes they may say they don't support you, but deep down they just want to see you happy. Of course, and, Judy, I get uh, the whole support from, you know, you're my kid. I'm putting a roof over your head. Right. Yeah. I get that, but I am talking about the encouragement yeah. that white people something, get. <laughs> something out of academics. Mm-hmm. Like I get that you're supporting me, but are you really? Mm-hmm. Are you supporting? your interests are you Mm. trying to live vicariously through me this Mm. is my life Mm -hmm. i this is my journey Mm -hmm. i'm grateful for everything that you've given me Mm -hmm. and continue to do so Mm -hmm. but at the same time i need you yeah i need you to i need you to believe in me that i can do this Mm -hmm. and if i can't i need to know that you're still gonna be there with Mm -hmm. me that's love that's unconditional that's the way we should approach parenting I, I I really think so. I I, I mean I, I I mean that's the way I do at least. Yeah. And I can say that if my parents had that approach with me, mm-hmm. I would have turned out way better as a teenager. Oh, stop that! I was super rebellious as a yeah. no, well, not as a man. As a man, I can't blame my parents anymore. I'm a grown man. Yeah. Like this, these are everything. Yeah. Everything is either you know my fault or to right, my credit. Right. Right. But as a teenager, yeah, but I, right. I couldn't go to yeah. my parents. I went yeah. to my friends. Yeah, I did the same thing. I didn't trust I my parents same. anymore. Yeah, you know, and I knew that I had to hide things from them. Mm-hmm. Like if I had to play sports, if I had to, if I had a, a game at school, or if I made it to the basketball team, if I brought home trophies, 
I couldn't share that with them. I had to hide my trophies in the closet, oh. you know, mm. until they actually found it. And I was like, oh, screw it. Yeah, I won mm. first place. Yeah, look at I don't think they made that. Like, I have immigrant friends. And we spoke a little bit about that, right, Norman? As immigrant parents, we did, like you said, Jude, they just, they love us by providing us food and shelter. Mm. You but know, that's not water. enough. Right, right. That's not mm. enough. But, but I think that's all they knew as immigrant mm-hmm. parents, yeah. right? They come right. here and this is all they knew because their parents were like that too. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. not that we're, I know I'm an ABC raised here. I see different kind of parenting, so I can't like I wouldn't blame my parents because they only gave what they could or the, mm-hmm. all they knew or how they knew how what to they do. thought made right, sense. Right, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, so so they weren't the ones that hounded me to be a doctor or lawyer. They mm-hmm. were kind of pretty much absent in my education. You just knew I went to school. Mm-hmm. So as when I talked to my other friends who were my generation, we navigate the whole education mm-hmm. system on our own. The application process, mm-hmm. choo- choosing the high school applications right, to yeah. college, selecting. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until like, like, like um, some of my friends goes, oh mom, I'm going here. The parents are mm-hmm. totally not involved just because you know they don't understand the process, not, but also because they're too busy working, mm-hmm. right? right. How, and then there's a language barrier because you know you, I'm speaking Chinglish. How do mm-hmm. I say application <laughs> process right, to mom? Right. How do you say financial aid, FAFSA, and all that kind of stuff? Right. And it's just like we did it all ourselves. The people, mm-hmm. right. we did it all ourselves. The only time my parents ever showed that was maybe in time for graduation mm-hmm. or right, the parent right. teachers meeting if there was a Chinese right. interpreter. Right. You know, so I didn't have the or, kind of parents that were hounding me. You gotta I, be I, this I, and this I and this. I think I think our parents. I agree, but somewhat disagree. I think mm-hmm. I agree with a lot of what you said. It makes a lot of sense, and I agree that they just don't understand. But I think that's, you know, it, it, I think that the fact that they don't understand is because they don't see an Asian person excelling in that. Right, area. right, right, right. If they just saw one with the same story, they would be open up. Michael Chang mm-hmm. oh, tennis yeah. player tennis, oh, tennis, wow. tennis. as soon as he started making all these Chinese newspapers mm-hmm. and my, got in my parents radar in, in the Chinese news at night you better go soon, play tennis How about my that? mom signed me up for tennis classes she said screw basketball play Baseball. tennis look how long and fast you are mm-hmm. you can do- you run around you with these dominated, kids all day yeah, I think you could have dominated tennis yeah but mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't like tennis right yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. it wasn't fun for yeah. me and I like team sports there was no tennis back then yeah there's no tennis there was no tennis yeah. Yeah. yeah but we didn't get that like you were saying we didn't get that support I mean you're right I, I think they could have applied themselves more mm-hmm. but I think also as a teenager mm-hmm. I'm thinking back like that I asked them that mm-hmm. I asked them to be part of my life my all my schooling mm-hmm. and, and but I'm I'm like what 13 14 15, how do i know how to make that connection in my mm. chinglish right. how do mm. i do that that yeah. and when they're working all the time right right, right. and then yeah. what they have now which they didn't have then was like career day they're bringing these professionals oh from oh mm. then talk about the job maybe you might want to do this if you're good in this or no, no. Right. they didn't have that in mind they right. were just kind of like i don't know let me think about it like for mm. me you know i i went to i went to hunter i studied journalism the only reason how i decided to do that was that um, the person who did the PA announcements was graduating, so they did a new PA announcer. I was like, "Oh yeah, I could do that." So I started doing the PA mm-hmm. and holding a microphone like I am now, do the mm-hmm. Pledge of Allegiance, the basketball team, <laughs> going blah blah blah. I said, "I could do that, right? <laughs> I could do that, right? Right? Yeah." And then you know, because they said, "Oh sure, you know, you talk a lot." I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> you know? But that, but I'm, I'm just, but but that's how you know it, it comes. And not, not like my parents told me. It's just mm-hmm. life experience, opportunities, volunteering. That's what. Meeting people, doing things, inspire you, and trying to lead you to that path or your interest, you know. Yeah. And yeah. you know, my, my parents, you know, fortunately did not play that role because you know they're working. And, yeah, I think when you're in a mode of surviving, mm. it's just so difficult to think 
have that train of thought of thriving like you won't even you don't even think thriving is possible you're just trying to keep your head above water Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know and when you're in that frame of mind number one i think it's it's very weak in that sense not saying that people are weak i'm saying that is a low form of thinking because most of the decisions you make will be out of fear and Mm -hmm. you will choose the most conservative choice even though it doesn't benefit you or serve you you would choose the most logical thing that you think safe makes sense safe decision you have a culture or an environment that's fostering fearful thinking fearful decisions Mm. i think we are constantly being our own worst enemies where we don't allow ourselves to be anything more than what we truly can be we look for the the easiest path and with the least resistance and we choose that and that's it i remember one of my one of my friend's dad said this to me he said you got a good life you got a nice wife a nice home nice cars Mm. right and he said why do you want to do anything else why are you still talking to me like just you and your family are good you can go to a low-cost city and just be good for the rest of your life i look at him like what Mm. (laughs) like wait just because you you check off some of these things on your checkbox and Mm. so you live life like a checklist you check off Mm. some of these things and it's off to the sunset even though you're you're young and you're full of vibrancy and there's Mm. so much more energy within you to give what a waste of a life Mm. so like so you're telling me that i could die young in this sense Mm. you know what i mean like life should be lived if you buy your mm. shoes need to be worn right mm. oh sneakerheads will say right. something different <laughs> i'm a sneakerhead though yeah i, I have okay. a few pairs of shoes that i don't wear but it's a figure of speech <laughs> oh, sure. mm-hmm. shoes need to be worn that is not super valuable but <laughs> that you could resell on the market but shoes need to be worn and life needs to be lived mm-hmm. and i think once you get to a point where you can i think it's your responsibility to do just that well i think our parents were uh maybe because they're bringing towards that retirement age they're thinking in oh um now it's my son and my daughter's turn in taking care of me so they're thinking that's about true. themselves that's true they're you're an investment yes and in cantonese there is a thing that they say young yi fang lo, which is you raise your kid so that they can serve you when you get older, right. which is a very Confucius filial pile little mm. thing to say. So, um, yeah, it's a very conservative thing. I told my parents, I said, this is what I'm going to do and, you know, with or without your support. But I'm mm. letting you know that this is happening. Oh, mm. yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to take care of this mm-hmm. and I will take care of them. You know, I, I'm here as a son. I'm, it doesn't change anything. If anything, it'll add to me. It'll give me, it'll let me live more. So I will be able to see more. My view will become mm-hmm. wider. Mm-hmm. Uh, my connections, uh, just the things that I will learn from people. And 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 that's, I think, that journey mm-hmm. is the, that's the excitement. Mm-hmm. Because I know somewhere along those lines, there will be self-progress. And because of that, I know everything else will take care of itself. I think part of our jobs is just to understand our parents or forgive them. Because I feel like if you constantly have this, like, oh, they don't understand me, then it's a very heavy thing to carry mm. on. 
That's a very mature mindset you have. (laughs) I do a lot of work on myself. (laughs) It took took a (laughs) long time for a lot of my friends to arrive there. Um, I'm talking about where they go, where they went an extended period of time. I'm talking years where they didn't talk to their parents Mm -hmm. because of that. They had somewhat of, I guess, like a divorce with their parents. Mm -hmm. And eventually they they just i think one day they looked i mean one of my friends put it best he said one day um I, I, he said his sibling posted a picture of him and his parents and he mm. didn't recognize the people in the picture with him he thought it was some old people mm. the random old people he's having dim sum with mm. and he said to me he goes that was my fucking mom and dad and he started breaking down and crying mm. he said i i wasted the last 10 years being mad at my mom and dad, blaming them for everything that happened to me, mm-hmm. when in fact I do own some of those blames, I, mm-hmm. and I just pushed it on them. You know, I just let everything on them, and and I let myself blind. Now, I look at this picture, and they're freaking old, and I didn't even recognize them. So, yeah, sometimes it's, and you're absolutely right. You know, it, it's uh, it's better to it's better late than never. And uh, with you, it's it's pretty early to come to that. Um, this is that's pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm. Are you guys talking? You and your mom right now? Oh yeah, we live with each other. Okay. <laughs> Say I don't still. have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, that's good. Now she's trying to understand what you're going through. Oh no. Uh. Okay. I don't see. I don't think you can come to that conclusion. It's like yo, they'll understand. No, my mom gets. It. My mom actually wants to know. Oh. So my mom 180. She and she's old, mm. and my mom wants to know. She's like, mm. hey. What's this going on? What's everything outside? Of, first, she asked me like, "How's my, my, my you know, my Your my family. work, my salary, my family, all that stuff." <laughs> but after that, she always asked me, "How's the other stuff? Mm. How's the stuff that I'm passionate about?" She wants mm. me to talk to her about my passions, and then she's like, she has this excitement because mm. she could feel my excitement for life. She knows that's what I get really like worked mm-hmm. up about, and like I just love it so much. And I share this with her, and I see the look in her eyes. And she's just she has this curiosity and and she loves it. She loves that I love it and that she believes in me. Um, and she just tells me, yeah, keep having fun, keep doing it. And then and then she'll neg me a little bit at the end because <laughs> she can't not good enough. She can't help it. Like it's like me bringing home a ninety nine. What happened to that one point? <laughs> so you know she she's always asking me like, well, can you make any money? Well, this and that. Can you buy me a new house with this dinner? And then she's like, I'm just kidding. Is, well, it, is yeah. it because like you're able to have that? Well, she's able to have that conversation is because she knows you're you're good. You're good money. Mm-hmm. Like. You have the stable job and stuff like that, and she she knows that your family's taking care. Your family mm-hmm. is taken care of. Is that why she's able to even have that conversation with you? Yes. I I, I, I want to. I you know originally that was like okay one plus one is two that made the mm-hmm. most sense, but it's not. I was a little mm-hmm. surprised when when I came to that conclusion. As I was hanging out with my mom, or her train of thought just matured. I could tell you what if she had this train of thought, and I'm. 15 16 she's gonna support it even though i don't have a a job i don't have a family i don't have anything i'm just a kid mm-hmm. uh she would support it i i honestly believe it. although she would still try to nudge me to make sure that i have a plan b right, right. if that's going to be my plan a make sure that you're good enough where you can still subsidize a, a lifestyle which which makes sense i would say that to my kids but i i think her thought process has become more american Mm-hmm. and matured and she assimilated with the culture and she knows 
you, and, and I'll tell you why. It's because she sees Asian celebrities on the news <laughs> from that was raised from New York, from LA, from all these different parts of the country. And she's going, oh, snap. <laughs> like, holy, well, well th- that's a real thing. It, right, it, right, right. She sees the so proof now. So she's now. okay. Like, she's okay. That, with it's that one yeah. person that came to America like, so oh my Michael, gosh, Michael guys, Chang, it's Michael glorious <laughs> here. Come over to America. Bring the rest of you guys. Yeah, it's... So it's kind of like that. My mom's going, wow, you know, this is legit. This is okay. Go do your thing. Go, yeah, so it you. seems like they don't want you to be the first Michael Chang. They needed someone else to kind of show and say I think they if did it. And then my the- mom knew that I would have been the first. She would have definitely said, go ahead and be oh, a millionaire mm-hmm. uh, athlete. Do it. I would love it. She would support. Mm-hmm. She would be at every one of my games, mm-hmm. you know, but it, in her eyes, it just wasn't possible. Right. Keep mm-hmm. in mind, you know, that time, Asians also, we faced an extreme amount of racism. Mm-hmm. Extreme amount of racism. And we were definitely left out of the conversation. We think it was bad now. Mm-hmm. Nothing compared to uh, being an immigrant, not being able to speak the language and getting mm-hmm. abused. You know, <laughs> where the only job you can get is the lowest form mm-hmm. of job as an immigrant. Yeah, where it doesn't forget. take any education. It's just yeah. physical labor. And forget about um, Asian politicians. I mean, nowadays, I mean, now we have a bunch that we can look up to. Mm-hmm. But back then, we didn't have any right. any representation at all. And, and I love that it's changing. Yeah. And it gets me excited. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that we're getting a crumb of this, but there is movement. And I mm-hmm. see people using their platform or creating a platform mm-hmm. to get their ball rolling. And they may not even ever, ever reap the benefits from this. Mm-hmm. But they're still pushing forward. And, and to me, I see the purpose in that. And that inspires me going, damn, man. Like, wow, this is not an easy job, but you're out here doing it. You know what? I want to join you. Mm-hmm. I want to support in any way that I can. I believe in, in what, what, what you're striving towards. If I can't lead, you know, I have no problem following. No mm-hmm. problem following and supporting other people. I think, I think in order to lead, you have to follow first. Right, mm-hmm. right. You know, before you be, become the CEO of the company, a lot of times you got to learn, you got to learn all the other positions. Yep, mm-hmm. that's the way it goes in the restaurant industry. You have to start from the, the zero and learn your way up or level up, as they say. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it makes you that much more dangerous because mm-hmm. you know what they're thinking, you know what the chef's thinking, you know what the waiter's <laughs> thinking. Damn. You know what I mean? Instead of it, you know you, you you're grounded mm-hmm. you know you, you're you're grounded whereas if you if you were always up here and you're looking from everything up here mm-hmm. how how can you communicate with anyone a anything, totally different level yeah right. anything you have, to, you have to say is gonna be just come off as extremely dismissive or bossy mm-hmm. you know you're not really connecting with me you're just barking orders mm-hmm. people don't respect that and that's mm-hmm. not inspiring but someone that worked their way up they'll know how to communicate and connect uh, with all of these different parts and, and they have that emotional intelligence mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. develop that IQ or EQ in this sense mm-hmm. and so they'll be they know what moves you they know what discourages you mm-hmm. and you as a leader you want to bring the best out of your people so you want to be able to touch them you want to let them know that you care about them as well mm-hmm. right when Asian, Crazy Rich Asians came out right mm-hmm. did, you, did you bring out your mom to check it out no I did not because I've heard stories where Oh, I took my mom or my, my parents to this and then the whole perception of Asians being on screen changed. Why well, know she knows who Michelle Yeoh is, but everyone else on screen she wouldn't know. And she doesn't understand English at all. Got it. All so right. or she only understands very basic English. And 
I can't imagine my mom sitting in a movie theater not ex- uh, understanding anything that's going on. She can see what's going on, but in terms of what they're saying and all that, I don't like think she will. Understanding the storyline or anything like that. Right. And I'm a big advocate of someone not talking during a movie. <laughs> so if she asked me a question, I would be like, shh, shh. Yeah. <laughs> and that would be annoying. With her, you think that she's just at this really stubborn place? Yes and no. I mean, I'm making a movie right now, and I don't think I'll bring her to that movie <laughs> because it is hard to watch. <laughs> uh, hard to watch as in... Oh, it's about something that happened in the family, oh. and oh. I will be... I put it up on the big screen. Oh, this is a personal piece. Uh-huh, yeah, very okay. personal piece. Oh, wow. uh, and if she decides to come along, I'll find a place in new york city where i can hide after (laughs) after she sees it and stay there probably for three months before i go home and like talk to her now you said that Mm. you work with uh mc jen before Uh uh-huh yeah he directed something you were working on Uh uh-huh yes was it like working with him oh he's so cool yeah yeah um so i legit stalked my way (laughs) into him working with me uh at the time it was 2000 15 going on to 16 and he was pursuing stand-up in new york and so i went to the gotham comedy club where he was showcasing his bits i had my script in a yellow folder i ran up to him after the whole thing ended i was like hey i really liked you as a rapper i saw you growing up i really admire you if for any reason you want to read my script and work together, let me know. And I included all my contact and he was like, yeah, just DM me or email me. And he resonated a lot with the script. Mm-hmm. And it's about a China, Chinatown teenage girl learning what it means to become a woman. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of bits in there that was super funny and very relatable for folks growing up in Chinatown. But for the movie version is completely different because of the limited resources that we had. He directed a short. Oh, it was a solo show, like a live performance, the a one woman oh. show. Yeah, so I like I did Wait, so oh. you pitched it to him. Uh-huh. Because oh shoot, you did like the groupie thing, but <laughs> but not, <laughs> but not sleep with them. But oh, I didn't to, sleep with to, him. No, determined woman, but she got to him. To, holy crap! Yeah. Props, fearless, fearless. Yeah. So you you went up to him like, hey, and you presented what you had, mm-hmm. like you, and 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 he actually gave you a shot and was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll support it. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, it was it was a live one person show. I uh, yeah, we worked together during rehearsal, and I think right after that he went back to China and he was pursuing uh, TV and film there. Oh, this is before he left for Hong Kong. Yeah, Uh he became really big in Hong Kong. Yeah, he became, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, wow, damn, he's a... I didn't know know he was a director. I didn't know he directed, so... Well, I saw his comedy and I was like, oh, he knows where beats should be because as a person who wrote it, I feel like I would... The comedic beats, you mean? Yeah, 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 and I just felt like he would shed so much light, and he did. Um, and there was this part that was super serious, <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, maybe if you add something right here, it will make it like funny." And I did it, and people were like dying <laughs> in the broke theater. Broke the tension in the room. Yeah. Mm. So he is a very talented director as well, and we also worked together in a short film that he wrote mm-hmm. and also directed. 
that we submitted for HBO. Oh God, HBO, if you're watching this, cut this out. <laughs> uh oh. I was working for a PR company on the uh-huh. side as a side hustle, and they were putting together this thing called the HBO APA Visionaries Competition, uh-huh. where they pitch one or two words, and you have to make a short film about that. And so MC Jin, he wrote a script. And I, uh, so the PR firm I was working on, the guy it was gonna be a producer on the thing. And I was like, and he also knew MC Jin's. I was like, yo, if you and MC Jin's doing this, if I'm producing this too, I need to get in on it or something. Yeah. So I got like a small part in it. And then the HBO people, they're like, hold up a second. Don't she work for that PR company? Mm-hmm that put together this competition so she knew the theme of it before he oh. even started and they disqualified the film and i was like yo i did not talk to mc Jin right. at all when he wrote the script when he put together all this oh. thing i came in later on what yeah that's Gosh. so fucked up and i felt so bad i apologize like a thousand times i get why I'm hbo would do that right mm-hmm. i mean because they don't know right i mean but damn right the legal department because i was working with them on asian american film festival stuff like resizing the image and all that so i was in communication with them and they know my face so they're like hold up a second <laughs> who's this lady right here we got a ringer <laughs> we got a ringer so what was mad. jen's reaction to that he was like, oh it's all good what yeah Wow. Well, I mean, what, was it submitted wow. elsewhere? Where, yeah, where did it you pitch it anyway? Oh, okay. uh-huh, yeah, it was okay, shown cool. in film okay. festivals too. Okay. So it okay. wasn't a bad thing. Did, did, did Jin try to push back at HBO? Like, hey, I really mm-hmm. didn't like to try to stay, make a case for it. Or he was just like, you know what? We'll, we'll keep it moving to somewhere else. Uh, I actually do not know, but he's a very big and forgiving person. So I think he probably would be like, yeah, you know what? It's okay. And he dope. did release it online mm-hmm. for a little bit, but it's down. Some guy from China, though, pirated the film. <gasps> what? Oh, because uh, he's MC Jin. And it's yeah, are you like, surprised? <laughs> Come on. I mean, like, I don't know. Jin, Jin's acting in it, right? Uh, yeah, he was the lead in it. Oh, so of course, yeah. of course, you know, some, yeah. maybe a fan. You were saying, like, he wrote it mm-hmm. and he directed it, so I was like, oh, okay. And starred in it. And starred in it. Damn, okay. Yeah, so. And edited. <laughs> <laughs> That is like my film, actually. <laughs> yeah, I had, oh God, I don't even want to go into this, but there's a lot of things that mm-hmm. goes into indie filmmaking. Like you said earlier, you have to find people who are equally as passionate as you are. You have oh, to. Man. You yeah, have you to. have to. Otherwise, you're, you're so continuing. Parts, yeah. that's, a, that's a tough lesson I had to learn because I was mm-hmm. constantly... Um, you know, at times I felt like the bad guy. Uh-huh. You know, and, and I knew I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I, I knew we were visibly behind on everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just, if other people aren't taking the craft seriously, if this mm-hmm. is just like, eh, I just want to see what this is, mm-hmm. versus, hey, I really want to make something. I want to, like, make this. I'm real passionate about this project. Mm-hmm. And they're not just saying words. They really, they're putting action. Their actions are passionate. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of energy. It's going to reinvigorate everyone mm-hmm, around them. Mm-hmm. And then you get the opposite of that where it just drains everyone. Right, right. Constantly having. And you're the one, you know, you're, if you're naturally positive, you constantly have to put everyone on your back and, and pull. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And it shouldn't be like that. You mm-hmm. guys should all elevate each other. Right. When you have meet people with the same energy, that's how you thrive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
birds yeah. of a feather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I feel like once I became very strict with that, mm-hmm. even though it meant that I needed to be alone. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's the key thing. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to be comfortable being alone. And that's extremely difficult. You feel like it's impossible. Mm-hmm. But then as you keep moving independently, you'll realize that birds of a feather flock together. Mm-hmm. You will find others like you mm-hmm. just as truly passionate along the way. Mm-hmm. And you guys, you'll find people that you just kind of like, just like a puzzle piece. You guys just mm-hmm. fit together. Mm-hmm. And then you guys can take it from there and build. And as you are along those journey, you're going to meet other puzzle pieces mm-hmm. that fit in. And you're going, oh my gosh, where are all these? And, and you start... So now your circle, you guys got all the BS people out and, you, and you're making room for all these amazing new people mm-hmm. that's like really about this. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's a tough lesson that I had to learn. It took me over a decade to get that. Mm. So you ha- so basically, like, you need to be around uh-huh. other like-minded people with that same energy. Uh-huh. That's, you know. Uh-huh. What? Right. Oh. No, no, no. Oh, how long ago? Just your last sentence. Okay. okay. So I got that in. All right, so go ahead. But the hearse is still rolling, right? Yes. Yeah, we go. We just keep going. No. Go ahead. No, I was just saying that how you share, like you know, I'm talking about thriving. Just how we all grow, being with mm-hmm. other like-minded people. We all inspire each other, and then that's how you network and you meet other people who can raise your, you know, interest, your group, or support you up, up higher. And then that's how you continue moving forward. I need to chime in a little bit on that because as I was crewing up for my film, that was like unbelievably hard the people i really wanted to work with they had a certain amount of money that they wanted oh oh ooh, okay yeah they uh, they were like oh i need at least like four to six hundred dollars a day like we're operating on this level and your budget isn't there and they just decided not to sign on to the project and i was like with all due respect i respect you for making that decision now rather than later yeah. like dropping out and that did happen to me someone signed on to dp and completely just dropped out and it was it was hard independent filmmaking is very hard oh it's so difficult especially when you don't have money even if someone is like-minded your goals have to align and even if the goals align you have to have all these resources and as people who are starting out it's hard to get to that level you have to really build yourself like level zero level up and by the time you reach the top, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like in the Asian American community, it's not as lolly dolly as they say it. They what do you preach. Mean? They preach that oh yeah, we're all unified, we all respect mm. each other. But deep down, you know that is bullshit. In what way? <laughs> in that um, people who are on the A list, they will not necessarily want to hang out with you. Like who are you um, as a person who is starting out? Like they won't even yeah. want you in their circle, is what I'm. So clicks, like clicks, yeah, clicks, clicks. like so it's they, high school all over like, again. So you're talking there's some form of classism, yes, within uh, Asian Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not afraid of putting it out there because I, I've been around the community for a long. So you've time. been around A-list Asians. Uh, I've seen them in passing, and uh-huh. I don't like. I would probably deep down fangirl, but I wouldn't like run up to them and ask them for their autographs uh-huh. or whatever. No, I don't do that. I mean, I come from New York. It's a 
basic respect system like if you mm-hmm. respect me i respect you right. and in the asian american community i feel like sometimes i go to la every year mm-hmm. and i meet these asian american actors they're they're also like maybe mid-level and they think they're hot fucking shit and they're like <laughs> oh just trying to talk to their people like you have to know someone in order to talk to them and if they find out oh you're also friends with this person oh yeah then you're in the group now well, but if you're not f- bye <laughs> shit in all <laughs> fairness i know like low-level asian mm. actors and I, I don't you know that's i guess they would be classified as like d list <laughs> i don't know if that's a real thing but they mm. they even think that they're hot shit mm. uh, I, I i guess mm. it's one of those fake it till you make it deals mm-hmm. um whereas uh i don't know like i think it's a mixed bag mm. I, i've seen I've met some uh, Asian celebrities here and there, mm-hmm. and I think some of them are super nice to me, like mm-hmm. very receptive. I think where the line gets drawn mm-hmm. is, I think they're going, what do you want from me, man? Mm-hmm. What are, you, yeah. are you trying to use me? What do you want? Mm-hmm. You're, you're probably just using me for clout. Mm-hmm. You know what? I don't want to waste time with you. Mm-hmm. I have no, no time for that. And they're really about their business. I could respect that. I could respect it going, you know what? I got nothing to gain from this person. No knowledge, no friendship, nothing. I don't have the time for that. Mm-hmm. I really, you know, I don't have time for this. So, and they're just going to keep it moving. I get that part. Mm-hmm. I don't get now if they're just straight up rude mm-hmm. and like they look at you like a lower life form mm-hmm. because you're starting out. Mm-hmm. And they're going, you know what? Ugh, get out of here. And they're mm-hmm. like really sniffing their own fart and going you know they're really convinced that they you know they're buying they're they're buying into their own ego Mm -hmm. and they're really floating away somewhere i think then i would say continue floating away and be out of touch go ahead because you're gonna lose your fan base eventually Mm -hmm. i'm not worried about like i'm not i don't even care like go ahead because people like that means that they don't have the right circle they don't have the right group of friends because if I did anything like that, my group of friends will. They will be just ripping on me all day until I come back to Earth. <laughs> if I started thinking that I'm... Who do you think you are? Almighty. <laughs> my boys, mm. my wife. You better invite me to, my, to the yacht. <laughs> yeah, my, they will all rip me apart. Like if mm. I do give them an ounce of douchiness, like mm. it is, I'm, I'm getting roasted. And if you don't have people in your circle to tell you when your shit stinks, mm-hmm. that's a very dangerous place to be. Mm. Very dangerous place to be. Well, this is like outside looking in. Um, but from my point of view, like people who have made it, like um, Ken, Ken Jung and mm-hmm. uh, Randall Park, they've mm-hmm. created like production companies mm-hmm. specifically to focus on Asian American stories. Mm-hmm. So from that point of view, it's like they're kind of giving back to the community. Mm-hmm. And they're actually reaching out to mm-hmm. to people who are on the come up. Mm-hmm. So have you experienced that, or is it just one sided? I saw it announced, <laughs> but I don't see I don't see things rolling. Maybe they're still building it as mm-hmm. we speak. Yeah. Um. So I wouldn't knock on it until I see something announced on their end. So, so you're very you, you don't have a very positive outlook on Asian Hollywood. That's what you're saying, or very skeptical. In terms of the stories they want to tell currently, it's all very feel good. Um, just pa- 
palatable stories. Wang Fu type stuff. Yeah, right? or not even that. No, 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 no. That's why Wang Fu didn't sign with any studios back then because they want to keep their content and they don't want anyone deterring them from saying what they want. That's why they've been sticking to their own. They wanted to keep their IP. Independent. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. they're, they're probably making more money any, that way anyway in the long run. Mm. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know but, either. Like, but at least they get they have the freedom of thought. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right, that's important. I think that's why when I was making my film, I made sure to make it independent and not pitch it to any studios because then they're like, "Oh yeah, we want to cast yeah, another right. person." You need a white boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> oh my fucking god! And yes. he needs to save you. <laughs> oh god! He needs to save you from oh, yes, no. from being right. you know. Just hang some red lanterns over there, Jody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly yeah. it. everywhere. Yeah. This shot in the backdrop is put red lanterns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. boy. We have to have a Chinatown scene. Yeah. We have to have a Chinatown scene. Mm. Uh, just like politics, I don't believe in the trickle-down economy. Mm-hmm. I feel like in order for us to push boundaries and move our stories forward, we have to create stuff ourselves mm-hmm. to re- represent us in the most authentic way possible. That's why Justin Chan is so successful. He knows everything that he wrote like in terms of Gook and Miss Purple and if he didn't he had other people helping him yeah. along the way and I think we need more of that and less of Hollywood creating stories they think we will relate to because frankly I did not relate to Crazy Rich Asians mm. I mean the the romance part really got to me and maybe the family part got to me but then the way they did it it didn't really hit me that hard and I want to see well it's a rom-com yeah, yeah so there's a specific. It's meant audience. to be a little lighter. Yeah. Well, how about farewell? Farewell was more of you know ingrained in that immigrant kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. I feel, um, and it's about family. And I felt, I mean, honestly, I I didn't think it was that great of a movie. But mm-hmm. I a lot of my friends did feel like this this relates to me and my family. Someone told me to be ready to cry. I, I did not cry watching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Around. Me yeah, too. Oh, yeah, Cheryl, you're gonna cry. Yeah, I'm like, me really? too. So when the movie was always like. What part of the movie was I supposed to cry? I, I, I did cry in Crazy Rich Asians, though. So I mean, I tear, I tear, I tear. Because the wedding scene was so beautiful. Oh, my God. The water. Oh, my God. Oh, he's going to do the same. Yeah. When I marry my woman, <laughs> that shit going to happen. That water's going to trigger down. The- I will say that I think Aquafina was brilliant in that film. Mm-hmm. And the director made some really good choices. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like what they did there. But I definitely, yeah, I didn't cry. Mm. I didn't cry but there were a lot of relatable aspects there mm-hmm. and I love that our stories are being told um, I mean it's it's steps in the right direction and I want to see more of it I think mm-hmm. those are I think Crazy Rich Asians Farewell uh, you know s- stories like that are, are, are building blocks mm. I like low class Asians <laughs> like <laughs> like Asians from the lower to middle income class I want to see those stories being put in the yeah. forefront and I think Patrick Chen's uh, a story of father son yes mm-hmm. uh, that that is like the juice I've been like waiting for <laughs> I want to see you want to get some injection of come out soon, <laughs> soon. Come out soon somehow. Yeah. yeah like it's going to be a fun shit. film. It's going to be a good watch. Mm. I have a good feeling about it. Mm. He, he's got some really like mm. some special, special talent mm. uh, there. And, and I know Patrick, you know, with his standards of filmmaking, he's mm. be interesting what he does with that short. I can't wait to see it. 
And I think a really special thing about Patrick's、uh, film is that it's it was crowdfunded、mm-hmm. by the community.、Mm-hmm. Um, it's told adapted from a story. Chinatown beat. Chinatown beat. Henry Chang's Henry Chang, novels.、Yeah. So it's it's very real and authentic to、mm-hmm. to the Asian community. Actually, I don't know if I'm supposed to disclose this, but <gasps> Chinatown beat was supposed to be. A series with a set studio, and it just never. Yeah, yeah,、mm-hmm. yeah. You're absolutely right about that. Because、um, they wanted to change a、mm-hmm. significant part of the story, right?、Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he wouldn't allow that. So props to Henry. Oh, <laughs> yes, that's what you got to do, man. You can't compromise right on your, your story. Integrity. I mean, that's、mm-hmm. tough, you know, because how many people? You know, we said this last time when Patrick was here.、Mm-hmm. Would would. For lack of a better word, sell out.、Mm. <laughs> you know? I, Especially if, if they're trying the entertainment industry, they're gonna be like, okay,、mm-hmm. they're gonna they'll <laughs> whore themselves out. Yeah, no,、Literally. exactly. I'll say they will whore themselves. Out. That's why I told I told Norm. Norm was like, hey, people came up,、uh, they wanted to invest in a certain part of a film or something、mm-hmm. that that we have an IP of. I told them,、uh, absolutely not.、Mm. No, I'll. I'll No, I wanted to just us remain, hundred percent, hundred percent, and then、uh, we—that's where the negotiations start.、Mm. We have a hundred percent. What do you want to do with us?、Mm-hmm. That's that's really where the we just want to give you money. That's all. We, that's like, okay. You know, we want ownership, but I I don't want to get to a point where, like I now I have a boss, right, right, off of right. something that I created. You know, it's just like what now you control. You have to, and then people won't. I feel like people won't be able to trust my opinion anymore,、mm-hmm. or, or know if it really came from me. You know,、mm-hmm. Oh, somebody else told you to say that. Well,、mm-hmm. oh, why you have this person? Why are you talking to this person? And why are you pushing this idea?、Mm-hmm. Now everyone's going to look at me, and, and whatever I say, they're going to go,、mm, "I'm not so sure about right, this guy." Right, and, right. and I think credibility these days are very—it's very difficult to come by, especially now.、Mm-hmm. People. You know, if you look at news networks, for example, certain news networks, you can't even, you can't even go to them anymore.、Mm-hmm. I just kind of breeze past some of the articles if I, if I know it comes from a certain direction because I know which way it's going to lean.、Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't like that right or left. I just want what's correct.、Mm-hmm. I want the honest truth without you trying to push me to to go with this or that.、Mm-hmm. You know, I want. I just want the information, and let me decide. Yeah, that's smart storytelling too. Like when you see a film, if it doesn't force you to feel one way or the other, I feel like it did a good job. Because I feel like some films they try so hard to push you in one direction that、mm-hmm. you're like, "Ooh, what am I watching?" That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I I just <laughs> got that smart. <laughs> That's that's when you know it's really funny. The mic was working really well. Yeah, you're all up in my ears on that snort. Like, holy cow! Fuck.、Uh, we're putting that in. We're leaving that. What were you talking about? A film. Honest storytelling. Yeah, honest storytelling. I like it when they don't dumb it down for the audience. Right. And I like it. I appreciate it when the director or the writer、uh, can make decisions where it, it, it almost makes me go. Oh, like the Sixth Sense, for example. I remember when I first saw the Sixth Sense, I was like, "Oh, this dude's a ghost!" <laughs> like I was like, "No way!" It completely blew my mind. I love it when movies make me do that. I just、mm-hmm. com- where it's just 
no you tricked me this whole movie but it's good mm-hmm. and it's you know things like that movies that make you think afterwards you know i think momentum momento mm-hmm. is another one where it tells a story backwards left a lot of questions left so not, many not enough answers yeah but it's a good <laughs> film yeah classic yeah but that you know a lot of the films these days are, I, I i just don't see it it, it mm-hmm. cheapens the experience where i don't want to watch it and i hate to say that i hate to say that but it does you know we're getting remakes for the most part it's like remake after yeah. remake after remake like what happened to the original stories that we grew up on mm-hmm. you know that's that's what i want to see i want to see these original stories mm-hmm. you know and, and build from that i don't mind these remakes but give me some of those other stuff too. put some money behind that hollywood would you mm-hmm. you know i want i want to see some good with asians in it please but, i think that's where hulu netflix or uh, amazon they come in right uh, uh, you make a product right. and if they like it enough they'll buy your product and distribute it to their audience platform but in turn when they buy out your thing you have to negotiate a deal and how much of it do they own? How much of it mm. do you own? Will you get a penny every month or will you get 10 cents? <laughs> my friend told me, showed me her check for 10 cents for a film oh she did God. many years ago. For Netflix? No, this oh. is before Netflix. Like okay. she would get the royalties back uh-huh. and it was like 10 cents. She got his check. Yeah. 10 cents. Hey, you can buy two pieces. This is from the 80s. Swedish? This film was from the 80s she was in. Wow. Yeah, was for every rental, she would get 10 cents. <laughs> You know, the, it adds up. Like I heard, like the royalties for like the sitcoms, oh. like like Seinfeld, Friends, mm-hmm. like these guys are getting. If you got a good sitcom and it's current and other networks, oh, in syndication, are, oh, yeah, in, yeah, in syndication. Yeah, they they get a pretty penny on the off those royalties. Mm-hmm. You know? Can buy that face cream every month. <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll get there. You get there, Judy. Even Try. even for commercial, if you mm-hmm. if you're saying a jingle, I heard if you get the royalties for that every time mm-hmm. it plays. Like you, that's enough money. If you have ownership, that's why I always say to, to Norm, ownership is key. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it, it's not only can you eat off of that, but your children and your children's children mm-hmm. will be able to eat off of that. Mm-hmm. I think that's key. Anyway, it uh, looks like we're running out of juice. battery of time. Juice. <laughs> anyway, that said, thank you both for coming by. Thank you for having thank us. You. Yeah, thank you. It was I an mean, honor having yeah, you talk you about guys, voter registration because yeah. it's an important issue definitely right now in 2020. Yeah, so that's big. And, and thank you for all the work that you guys put in for the communities across America. It's uh, all her. It's all her. No. It's, it's really special. It's both of you. Um, yeah. It was a good turnout when we had National Voter Registration Day on September 22nd. We had 29 people mm. register, wow. come to the table. So that was good. And, and for those of you guys listening or watching, we'll have uh, Shirley and Judy's information. Uh, if you guys want to follow them on their journey, their Twitter and Instagram. And whatever else you guys want to, yeah, leave whatever for us. contact uh, uh, information you want to provide, like all defs uh, resources. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah, we'll we'll link it in the description. This is Lucky Boys. We're out.